Praise God. Well, uh, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Philippians, the fourth chapter today. And we'll at least give you a little bit of word. You know, what we, what we do here, what we talk about is, is powerful and life-changing. And you must understand this, as Pastor Amy was saying earlier, the things that God tells you to do don't always make a ton of sense to you. To your natural mind. And so many people say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to do it. And how many, when you were growing up, everything your mom and dad told you to do made sense to you? Or did they let you decide whether it made sense before you did it or not? Right? Get your dresser organized. Well, I'm just going to be pulling stuff out of it again. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's a huge problem with parents today. They, they have a conference about everything with their kids. They ask their kids, is it okay? What I'm asking you to do here. Well, anybody that's ever going to be a parent or ever has been a parent, that ain't it. Hmm? That's not what parenting is. And parents got to run everything by their children. And so, you know, we got generations of folk that are growing up and that, you know, you say, this is the answer, this is what you do. And they say, well, if I want to, I don't know how I got, let me get back up here, okay? If I want to, how many are going to obey God? Just whatever he says. So, uh, the thing about it is, is, is folk hear somebody talking about praising God and they think, well, hey, I've got huge problems. What could praise possibly do? What could opening my mouth and saying something possibly do? in the face of my problems. You understand that from a natural standpoint, that's a very a valid argument, right? Right, if somebody's got a day to live and you tell them, praise God, go ahead, start praising. They're thinking, you're from another planet. You don't even understand my problem. I only have a day to live. But here's the, here's the thing about it. If God said, that's your answer, then that's, then that's what you got to do. Amen. Even if it doesn't make sense to you. And so, you know, we tell people, you got to get in the Word. you got to get the Word of God in you. And from the natural standpoint, you might think, well, what is that possibly going to do? What good could that possibly do in light of how big my troubles are? Well, all that means is you just don't know the answer to that. But I'm telling you, that is the answer. Just do it whether you understand why to do it or not. And you'll see later that we were right. <laughs> what, I mean, uh, you know, when I, when I don't know what to do and I'm having to make big decisions, what, what good could it possibly do to pray, in a, to pray in a language I don't even understand? Well, naturally speaking, you have a good argument. But if God said this is your answer... There's some, there's some scripture in 1 Corinthians where it says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound or confuse the wise. God has picked things that most people think that's goofy, that's foolish, that's stupid. And God picked them and said, this is your answer. Why? The Bible says, so that no flesh could glory in his presence. Nobody can say, well, because I was smarter than everybody else. That's why I got my results. 
No, if you're getting results in Christ, it's because you were a hearer and a doer, and it takes humility to even hear. Amen. It's because you got, you got down to the degree to where, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm cool or if this looks right or if this looks whatever. God said it. I'm going to do it. Just obey it. And that's why you get results. And your flesh had nothing to do with it. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about how to have peace of mind. Which I'm telling you, that is something that you get 10 people out on the street. And if they were to be completely honest with you, which might be difficult. But if they were to be completely honest, and if you ask them, do you have true peace of mind? uh, Most of the time, 10 out of 10 would say no. Or 9 out of 10. And there's nothing that says that, it, that even if five of those people were believers, that they really have peace of mind. Right. Amen. Amen. Just because you have become a Christian does not give you peace of mind. It gives you the ability to have peace of mind. Amen. It opens up to you the possibility of having peace that passes all understanding. And so we began this series uh, a little while back. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? Talk with the, the text, Isaiah 26, where it says, You will keep in perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Perfect peace. Him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We've already talked about that today, putting your mind on the problem will will not keep you in perfect peace and it will not get you your answer. What's going to get you your answer? Your mind being stayed on what? Let me say it let me say it this way and I think you'll find it very simple to understand. If you want the answer, you must focus on the answer. If you want the problem, then focus on the problem. The mistake most individuals make is, okay, I've got this problem, I don't know the answer, so I have to focus on the problem to find the answer. Well, we're telling you that the, the book has the answers. This is the teacher's guide. huh? How many ever in school, and I don't know if they do it this way anymore, when I was growing up in school, there were two different kinds of textbooks. Most of them were the student's editions, but then there was a teacher's edition. And what did the teacher's edition have in it that the student's didn't have all the answers and glory to God if you could get a hold of a teacher's edition you were set for the class I mean there was there was you were you were good man because you got all the and I'm telling you God gave us his edition oh come on you you hearing this today he didn't he didn't have to dummy it down and give you a, a a an earthlings edition This is his thought. He gave you the answers. You might say, well, I don't understand how that answer fits with this problem. Well, look, I used to look in the teacher's edition every opportunity I got, you know. And there were some things, you know, you go to the back of the book, there's all the answers, but we hadn't covered the subject yet. So I didn't understand how that answer related to the problem. But who cares? You know, if I could could jot that down. We don't do that now, do we? No, right? No. So if I could jot that down and just know the answer for the test, who cares how you got there? Amen. We got the answer. So the mind being stayed on him is how you're going to end up in perfect peace. 
What does the enemy want your mind fixed on? The problem and him. <laughs> your problems, right? So you're in Philippians and we left off, I think. Well, we might, we might have gone a little farther than this, but I'll just review. Philippians chapter 4 says, do not fret, verse 6, right? Or have any anxiety about anything. Why would, why would we be told not to do that? Because if you're being fretful and anxious, what are you focused on? Right. And, and how, how quick are you going to find your answer by focusing on the problem? Not in God's system, not with God's things, not if you want his help. Now, in school, they'll teach you, you focus on the problem to find the answer. Now, here's where God's kingdom is different. You focus on the answer to find the answer. So do not fret. Do not go over it and over it and over it. Because what you're going over and over in your head is what's dropping down into your heart. It's giving you a vision of that thing. You'll have more faith in the enemy's power to defeat you than you will have in God's power to bring you through it. And you'll begin to talk that problem. Amen. But so what are you supposed to do, though, if you can't do that, if you can't fret and talk the problem? Well, it says in everything everything by prayer and petition let your requests be made known unto God but there's also another part in there it said with thanksgiving well why would you pray and end your prayer with thanksgiving well the only reason you do that is because you believe he heard you you believe that that the answer is taken care of now how do you do that how do you pray and get something settled to the point where you're able to say ha Thank you, Father, for the answer. Thank you that this thing is done. How do you get to that point? Well, the way I know how to do that is when you go to prayer, you take the word with you. You get the answer before you ever go to pray. Yeah, but my problem is such and such. And the answer is here in the word. Amen. Take the word with you when you go to pray. Find scriptures that cover your case. Find scriptures that apply to your problem. I mean, you know, you could take all the problems of humanity and divide them up into just a few categories. People got health problems. People got money problems. People got relationship problems. People don't know the plan of God for their life. Don't know what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, there's not a whole lot more categories than that, right? Your problem is going to fall into one of those, or maybe a few others. And there are scriptures that covers every one of those situations. There's words from God for your situation. Get that when you go to prayer. Get it settled, and then you'll be saying, thank you, Lord. Remember 1 Peter 5, 7, where it said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So we are not to be full of anxiety and worry, right? And then in verse 8, it said, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, right, lovely, a good report, right? All the, that whole list of things. It said, if there be any virtue or any praise, think on these things. Now, did we talk here about putting a bouncer at the door of your mind? Huh? Did we say that here? That every, okay, a couple weeks ago. Your mind ought to have, uh, ought to filter out and be, be there looking for things that aren't right, right. and aren't true. 
You might say, well, I have this problem. It's true. No, your problem's a fact, but the Word of God is eternal truth. That's the kind of truth you need to be thinking on. Anytime you have a situation or a circumstance that contradicts what the Word says, what are you supposed to think on? You, you need to make the effort and the choice that I'm going to think on what God has said about this instead of what this has said. Amen. And notice there in that ninth verse, it says, those things which you have heard and been taught and seen in me do... Or put into practice, and the God of peace yes. shall be with you. So you have verse 7 where it says, The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ. And then here in verse 9 it says, The God of peace shall be with you. He wants you to have peace in your mind. Now go to 2 Corinthians 10, which is where I think last time we left off. You know, I preach some of these things in different locations and we, we stop at different points uh, at different times. So I don't always know, but if you hear it twice, that means you'll hear it better, right? <laughs> you know, 2 Corinthians 10, we, we see uh, just another amazing truth here concerning things that uh, you and I would need to overcome. You realize that the things that you're tempted to worry about is probably not everything that's going good, but the things that are going bad, right? Yeah. It's the things that would, uh, that would look to defeat you that you're tempted to worry about the most, right? You worry more when, when it looks like you're spiraling down the drain, right, than when you're on top of the mountain, don't you? Amen. Well, just one more time, I want you to look in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10, where it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, or we could say it this way, in contrast to the way the world does things. How does the world fight? They focus on the problem. On con but we fight in contrast to it. And it says, on the contrary, they, the weapons we have, have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? Anything that has a stronghold on you. Anything that's holding on to you strong, that you want to be free from, that you want to bust out of, but how do I get out of it? How do I get out of this thing? Well, he's saying that you and I have, a, have weapons that have divine power. Look, it's going to take the power of God to bust out of that thing. We have to fight this battle with his weapons. Amen. You know, that's what the children of Israel did when they went out to the battle. God gave them a weapon. God said, here's your weapon. It's my praise in your mouth. And all they were allowed to say was praise the Lord for he's good. His mercy was enduring, uh, endures forever. You keep saying that. What are you going to focus on? Do you see that what God gave them to overcome was something in their mouth that caused them not to be focused on the enemy all around them, but something that kept them focused on the answer. And when they were focused on the answer, as we read earlier, they didn't have to, they didn't get, they didn't have to get sweaty. Hmm? They didn't have to get bloody. Nobody lost a finger. Nobody lost an arm. Nobody lost, right? Nobody had swords sticking out of them. You know, help. They had to, they, but they had to do their part. They had to be focused on what God said be focused on. Amen. 
So we don't fight the way the world does. Boy, the way the world fights is we just get, we have to have a bigger army than you guys. We have to have more firepower than you. Well, if you guys, if you and I focus on the Lord, we do have a bigger army. We do have more firepower. But it's not flesh firepower. It's spiritual firepower. Divine power to demolish strongholds. Well, what is this great weapon? What is going to help us? What is going to keep us and, and get us through this thing that has a stronghold on me? Here, we, here again, we're going to say what we've said before. It's in verse 5. We demolish arguments other translations say reasonings even other translations say imaginations that all has to ha go it all has to do with things that are happening in your head right and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God look let me make this even more simple if I can anything that comes to you that you're tempted to think on that is against what God has said we are to demolish or cast down that. We're to bounce it out, if you will. Hmm? And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This sounds a little bit forceful, doesn't it? Huh? You're not asking your mind, what, what do you want to think on? You're making your mind... Obey what God said. Now, here's the problem. If you don't have any idea what God said about your problem, you're going to have a real hard time doing this verse. But you know, uh, even though most Christians, I mean, the, the vast percentage of Christians are completely ignorant about what God has said concerning who they are and what their problems is, that's still not an excuse. God still said it the way he said it. Amen. What must we do if we, want to, if we want to blow apart the things that have had us bound, the things that we haven't seemed to be able to, to get free of or get out of this cycle or this kind of behavior or this kind of thinking? What must we do? We must learn what God has said. And when our mind wants to go a different direction, we got to reel it in and say, no, you don't. We're not thinking on that. We're thinking on this. This is what you think on. This is what you meditate on. You make it. You make your mind think right. Well, what are we supposed to think on? We already read that in Philippians. If it's not truth, if it's not honest or honorable, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely. But folk might say, well, did you hear what the governor did? That might be true, but it's not lovely. It's not pure. Hmm? Would you hear what so-and-so did? Uh, uh, uh. That might be true, but is it right? Is it honest? Is it honorable? Make you, I'm telling you what you think on. How important is what you think on? He said we have weapons that have divine power. And then he says what the weapon is. It's what you're thinking on. <laughs> now here again, you might say, well... What does what you think on, what could that possibly matter in the light and in the face of the problems I'm facing? Naturally speaking, you have a good point. But we're not talking natural. We're talking about the power of God. We're talking about just doing what He said to do. Well, I don't understand it. All that means is you don't understand it. Does not mean it's not God's answer. 
casting down imaginations, reasonings, things that, things that the enemy will say, here, think on this. That's how he works. He gives you a little thought, a little suggestion. Amen. Think on this. You're not worth anything. Think on that. You're a loser. Think on that. You're, you're, you, you're never going to measure up to the other kids. Think on that. And most people say, huh, okay. And they'll walk around, they'll repeat it. I know, I used to do it as a kid. I remember sitting there in my bed, in my room, we had a full-length mirror embedded into the closet door. And so I could turn over and look at myself, and voices would start talking to me. I don't mean I heard anything audible, but I just mean coming to my head. Thoughts about, man, you are just one ugly cuss. And I'd sit there and go, yeah, I sure am ugly, aren't I? Just... And man, by the time the enemy was done with me and I was done with me, my self-esteem was about like this. You know, I mean, I just walk around all hunched over all the time, you know, just, you know, had no confidence, had no, you know, didn't think anything of myself. Why? Because I was listening to, uh, I didn't even know Christ. How was I going to do this verse? I couldn't. So I was held captive by him. But I'm telling you, I began, I got in Christ and I began to see what God said about me. And I began to see that, that Jesus would have died for me if I was the only one here. And God loved me so much from the foundation of the world. He had a plan for me and his plans for me were good. Amen. And I read a translation of one of the Psalms about Psalm 33 where it said, praise looks good on you. And I said, oh, glory to God, I am good looking. I am good looking. Go, as long as I'm praising God, I am good. Uh, who, cares what, who cares what the devil says anyhow? I found out what he said, and I started casting down those other thoughts when they'd come. Those thoughts of inability. I'd cast those things down, and I'd take my thoughts captive to what God says. And it worked. And I had, amen. And, and now, you, now I possess and walk in things daily that used to be an impossibility to me. Hi, good to see you. Thanks for coming to church today. You're a little late. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Would you like to look at one more verse before we dismiss today? Over in Romans 8. How many are seeing some things along these lines? People, because, because they don't see what good it'll do, underestimate the importance of what you think on, what you say. What, these, these things that people think, well, they're just little things. I'm just not, uh, I'm not a singer. So I don't, you know, so I'll just sit here with my mouth taped shut while we're praising God. It's not about how lovely your voice is. It's about obeying what God says will give you power, will give you help. I just don't see what that will accomplish. And, and once again, let's just go over this again. All that means is you don't see it. <laughs> Does not mean it's not true. Does not mean it's not powerful. Glory to God. I like this church. You guys like what you get here? Whew, man. Boy, what if this were true? <laughs> and it is true. <laughs> it is true. Hey, 
we want to drive this home even a little further today. And we won't finish this today. We'll probably, the, and, and then next week we'll probably minister along different lines of the resurrection, you know. But then we will come back and hopefully then just that one more service. I'm saving the best for last. And I even want to celebrate communion around some of these things uh, at, at the end of this series. All right. And if you think it's been a while since we've done that, it's because I've been trying to get to the end of this. <laughs> okay. And we'll do that uh, in light of some of these things in a couple of weeks. All right. But for now, Romans 8, is that where you are? I want you to notice verse 5. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Hey, do you know that there's two different kinds of Christians? Those who live basically in the flesh just as though they were no different than any other person who's not a believer? And then those who... who are filled with the things of God and are on a whole different course in life. Yet both of them are believers. How do you determine which one you are? has to do with what you set your mind on. Amen. Notice it again. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Well, I think we could read this in reverse and it would be just as appropriate. Those who set their minds on what the sinful nature desires will live according to that. Those who set their minds on the things of God, the things of the Spirit, will live according to that. Notice verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by, or we could say set on the Spirit, is life and peace. And what else? Just life and peace. And what else? Only life and peace. Look, here's what this is saying, guys. If our minds are just set on our natural circumstances and on our problems and on just the things of this world, it's not going to work the answer. It's going to be working death. Isn't that what this is saying here? Hmm? The mind set on the flesh is death. But if you, if you make the effort to think on God's things, yes. renew your mind with God's things, keep the answer on your mind, what's it going to work in you? Life. Two things, life and peace. And I don't know about you, I can't get, it, I can't get too much of either of those things. Amen. <laughs> How many want just life being, being worked in you? Amen. What's it mean to have death working in you? It doesn't mean you're just going to drop dead immediately necessarily Amen. but but yet death will will work in you and do a slow work in you and you understand death can work in your in your money death can work in your stuff you can have death working in your furnace you know what i mean <laughs> it breaks breaks down quicker than it normally would. in other words anytime you're on the that we could call it the death cycle it's where god can't get in with his blessing on your stuff, on your person, in your mind, in your life. That's right. but, if you set, but if you and I set your mind on Him and His things, 
You're going to be on that life cycle where all that's going to be flowing in you is life and peace and life and peace. And you don't think that will affect your stuff, everything about you, how you look, how you talk, how you act, how you live, how you sleep at night. Oh, man. Life and peace. Everybody say life. Life and peace. Verse 7 says the sinful mind, or that we could just say it this way, the mind that just only thinks about natural stuff and thinks about the problem, that, that mind is hostile to God. What's that mean? It means you're, at, you're actually at odds with what God wants to do. You understand God wants you and Him on the same side? That's the only way He can help you is if you and, you and Him are lined up together? Huh? And if you get your mind on the problem and keep it on the problem, you don't mean to, you don't want to, but you're actually lining up opposite of God. Glory to God. I don't want to line up opposite to Him. Hmm? I want to be be aligned with Him. And what's what's going to be flowing and working in your life if you are? Life and peace. Life and peace. How are you going to have peace of mind? By setting your mind on God's word and on God's things. And God's word is the answer. Glory to God. We'll stand up everybody. We've been talking to you about how to have peace of mind. It belongs to you. It's for you. But it won't happen apart from you. Amen. We must make the effort to focus not on the problems. But on the answers. Get so full of the answer that you begin to see the answer, that you begin to think the answer, that you begin to talk the answer, and you will have the answer. Oh, I can't, I just can't tell you the times that it's worked just like that in my life. I mean, things where it looks like, oh man, you're in for a long battle, you're in for a long haul. And when I was able to focus on what God said, push out, cast down the others, take it captive. And I mean, next thing you know, I have, here I am enjoying what God said was mine all along. And I don't even remember exactly when the, when the other thing stopped. Amen. I just know I got so taken up with what, got, with what the answer was. I looked around and that's all I had was the answer. And where'd the problem go? Man. Well, the word of God works, everybody. Amen. God's things are for us. And I don't know about you, I'm not just going to hear this today and walk out and say, well, wasn't that another nice and interesting message? Wasn't he a dynamic, somebody call me a dynamic speaker, whatever in the world that is. I think that means I get louder and softer, whatever. Amen. It's more than that. This is my, this is our life. This is what we do day in and day out. Amen. I love being a Christian. Do you? Well, I'm telling you, once I found out what a real Christian can do and what we can have, I mean... Woo! This is the life, y'all. This is the life. I don't know where else you're looking for life, but I'm telling you, you ain't going to find what you find here. <laughs> you ain't going to find it in a bar. Come on now. You ain't going to find it in the back room of any, any club. You're not going to find it, you know, on the, on the strip of Vegas. You're going to find life and peace in God's things. And I tell you, it blows away any other kind of life. Glory to God. Well, thank God for it. Let's give him praise tonight today hallelujah lord we praise you we worship you 
We just magnify you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Praise God. Well, okay, everybody. Hallelujah. I think that's good for today.